Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. Starting a company allows you to be back in control. The weekly show that brings together military spouse and veteran founders who are doing remarkable things in the business world. I can't imagine there's anything out there stronger than the bond that military and veteran entrepreneurs have. We'll hear their story, the story of their business, and lessons learned. Joy can override the worries and depression. Here are your hosts, Carmen Nazario and Josh Carter. What's up, everybody? It is Friday. It is 1 p.m. on the West Coast, which can only be one thing. It is time for the Veteran Founder Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Carter. With me always is Carmen Nazario. Welcome, Carmen. Thank you, Josh. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, happy Friday. Happy Friday. How have you been holding up, Carmen? Everything good on your end? Everything's great. Um, I have been uh, doing good, and I'm going to do better now that spring is here, and the weather is great. I think we were talking before the call, and uh, we were just uh, lamenting about how much we've been sort of eating because we were staying around at the house with such good food around the house, and uh, I cannot <laughs> wait. We can get back to a routine where I can maybe walk around the block more often or something. Go to the gym, yep. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I'm really excited because we have a returning guest this week, Carl Murphy. Uh, super excited to have you back on the show, sir. So welcome back to the Veteran Founder Podcast. Hey, thanks. It's my pleasure. Yeah. So uh, I want to let's just recap for those that have never met you on our show. Uh, talk a little bit about your military experience and what led you into uh, creating Spiffy. Sure. So uh, I'm a graduate of Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. And at Georgetown, I had an ROTC scholarship. Um, after college, I uh, joined the Army. I was an infantry officer in the 82nd Airborne Division. Uh, spent some time in Saudi Arabia and Iraq uh, during Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And then um, after that, so I came back from the war, again, about five years in the military. And then I got out and started a professional sales career. Uh, did that for about a decade. And then um, I got into, it's a long story, but I got into the car washing and detailing world. Uh, a buddy of mine and I became partners and we, we bought a car wash and we built another one. And we had a plan to build uh, and buy, uh, you know, build a small chain of sort of traditional old school car washes. You know, you drive up and give us 20 bucks and get out of the car and we clean your car. Um, along the way, the global financial crisis came and we were looking at for ways to grow our business and, um, and, and, and the iPhone sort of at the app based economy sort of was, was coming into its, its full stride and um, distributed work and sort of sharing economy, all those things are sort of going on at once. And so we were, we were throwing a bunch of ideas around and, and we started to prototype mobile car washing and detailing and, and applying technology to that. And uh, so in 2014, we launched Spiffy, and, and Spiffy is uh, a mobile on-demand uh, car care service. Our mission is to change the way uh, consumers and businesses receive their car care and their car maintenance, uh, and we do that with technology and great people and, and mobile mobile services. Great. I love it. And then talk a little bit about um, your services, because your site has a, a bunch of different services. I'm curious. What was what was it that led to all these different services? Did you have one service in mind when you created this, or what, were all these services sort of uh, part of the initial launch? Yeah, so it's interesting as a, as a, 
as a startup guy, you start with a, um, you know, a thesis, you know, the customer has a problem and I want to solve it. And our thesis was we were going to go serve customers at home um, for car washing and detailing. We're going to go to their house and and, and wash their car on on uh, nights and weekends because our car washes were busy and, and customers were complaining because there was a long line. We were sort of um, victims of our own success, at least on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And so we said, well, look, why don't we take the car wash to the customer? You know, and this is like 2013, 14. Um, and what we found, and, and we were somewhat successful at that. But we found what we found out was that our customers really wanted us to serve them while they're at work. So we developed a, a process that was acceptable to the property manager and the landlord where we could go to the office building and serve the client uh, at work. And so th- and that had a bunch of advantages for us. You know, we had less transit time, so we're not moving around. We could we could serve 10 or 20 customers in a day at their office building. Um, so it, it offered us some, ec- some economic advantages and some logistical advantages. And then it actually was it coincided nicely with sort of the rise of amenities at the office right you know and you know in in 1995 nobody really cared if you could get your laundry done at work if they deliver food to you or you can get your car washed at work you know it's like you go to work you work you go home and you do things at home after work but today um today being sort of the last 10 years it's been there's been this sort of concept of amenities at work everything from gym to laundry to car washing and all sorts of other things and so we we sort of slid into that and um, built a really nice business uh, serving consumers at work. We had a, you know, again, they could order via our technology app. We've developed a, a keyless, a, 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 a no-touch key exchange process. The customer could leave their keys in a secure location. We could get them, serve their car, you know, and then return the keys to them. So they, we didn't have to meet the customer, so we were not disruptive. It was super convenient for a busy worker, busy employee. Um, and so that's that's how we got into car washing detailing. And that really fueled our growth for a couple of years. Um, we added oil change um, as an additional service back in 2017. And we sold a fair amount of that to consumers, but it really got us into fleet servicing. We found we had some, you know, maybe 10% of our business was fleet in 2017. In 2019, it was like 80%. Um, because fleets were seeing the same thing. They, they had... Uh, you know, cars all over the place. They're, they're, they had uh, a shortage of technicians, and um, you know, we could drive out to a parking lot that was not necessarily their primary facility. You know, change oil, rotate tires, do some sort of inspection, um, provide them a bunch of digital reports on it, um, and, and give them some leverage on on the maintenance of their fleet. And so, so we we evolved from car wash and detailing for consumers. We added on oil change for consumers and fleets. Um, and then along the way, we did uh, a little bit of decontamination and sanitization work, right? So, um, you know, rental car, there's all these sort of crazy stories about what happens to rental cars. So you can imagine, you know, bachelor party in Las Vegas takes a suburban out into the desert sort of craziness. You know, they, they make movies about these sorts of things. Well, those cars end up somewhere and they have to be cleaned. And invariably, we ended up having to do that for our clients. So we built this expertise around cleaning, sanitization, decontamination, mostly dealing with mold, mildew, 
the smell of smoke, um, more recently sort of marijuana in some states. Um, and then sort of, you know, if people had sort of bodily fluids, right, they, they got sick in the car or something and we had to we had to deal with that. And so we built this expertise around how to handle it, how to get rid of the residue, how to take care of our staff and how to really give our clients a lot of confidence that we cleaned up the car and it's not going to get anyone else sick or, or sort of, you know, after it's unpleasant experience. Interestingly, you know, with the COVID-19 pandemic, that same set of skills, we, we poured it over to both fleets, um, you know, delivery fleets, right? Amazon, FedEx, um, service trucks that are out there in the, in the world, um, you know, providing telecommunication services, those sorts of things, uh, rental cars, right? People, um, would find out that they had COVID-19 after they rented a car and then they tell the, you know, and they're very nice. They tell the, the rental car company, and they're like, well, what do we do with this? Well, we have to do, decontaminate this car. Um, and then all those clients have storefronts of some sort or warehouses. And, uh, you know, with the nature of uh, the unique nature of COVID-19 being a disease that is, is asymptomatic for some fairly long period of time, you know, days and in some cases weeks, um, you know, people get sick and then they went to work for a day or two. And now now the business has to deal with the fact that they have a COVID-19 certified you know, tested case and that person was at work in the bathroom at the office, wherever they might be. And they need these these storefronts and warehouses decontaminated. And so one of the things we did was was pivot into helping our clients at first uh, solve those problems. And then then we we opened it up to sort of the wider range of, you know, new, new customers. And so so we do a fair amount of decontamination work. Again, um, vehicles, storefronts, um, warehouses, that sort of thing today. Um, so that's so where we are today. Yeah, Carl, uh, I really like the name Spiffy Green because it does imply that um, you are environmentally friendly, right? So your products, you know, you feature on your website that they're safe for the environment and the customer. And uh, I, I, I was quite interested on how it is that you use half the water uh, to uh, for traditional cars. Can you speak to that? Sure, sure. So um, one of the first objections we had way back in 2014 from property managers was that we could not have any runoff on their property. And so they, they, they were open to the idea of providing a car wash and detailing amenity to their tenants, but they didn't want to have any sort of EPA liability from me you know, using soap, water, chemicals on their property. And so they had several concerns. They had a concern of, you know, what's your brand and what's it going to look like on my property? Are you insured? Um, and then tell me about this runoff thing and tell me about the chemicals and, and, and the equipment you're bringing on my property because we want to ensure that our, our facility, our parking lot, our buildings are safe. And so so we, we made an effort to seek out the safest, most environmentally um, uh, low impact chemicals that we could to use. Um, and, and then, um, we also built and designed our own, um, water reclamation, mobile water reclamation system. And so all of our trucks now have, uh, both fresh and wastewater on them. So we bring, we bring our own fresh water, we wash with, our fresh water, and then sort of these environmentally uh, neutral chemicals. And then we suck all that water up, and it never actually hits the blacktop of the concrete of the, of the space we're working in. And we put it back in our truck, and we bring it back to our warehouse, and we, re 
we uh, process it through a water reclamation system, much like a traditional car wash would reclaim its water and sort of sort out the solids and anything that might be hazardous. And then we, we put it back into the sewer system like anyone else would. And so, so Spiffy Green is this this encompassing philosophy and value proposition proposition from Spiffy that says that you know this is incredibly important to us in everything we do, and you know our chemicals are the are the safest we can provide. Um, our our water process is one low use of water, so we're not putting a huge burden on the water the freshwater system, and two, we're not putting any wastewater into the environment. We're not putting it into the um, to the stormwater system, and then the water that we do send back to the sewer is has been removed, the grease and solids, and all those sorts of things that they that they demand from. So that's that's the Spiffy Green sort of proposition. And then along the way, again, so this is like uh, we had to build a great relationship with our chemical provider. We we have a great partner, U.S. based, U.S. run, U.S. manufacturing chemical provider, and and you know, again, this started back in 2014, 2015. Um, that relationship really helped us pivot very quickly to help people with um, COVID-19 because there's a bunch of ways to kill viruses. And some of them are, you know, um, more damaging to the environment or to the the um, the materials that you're using. Right. So like you know, sort of the, the the blunt instrument to kill viruses is bleach. And bleach is somewhat corrosive. It smells bad. The dilution is sort of wacky. Um, and, so, you know, so and, and, and no one really wants to go to the office and like, you know, smell bleach all day. Right. It's it's, it's in, in most cases, it sort of gives you a headache and that sort of thing. And so so our our chemical provider actually had a whole you know, they provide chemicals to the car wash and detail industry. But they had a whole nother brand, uh, same company, different brand that was um, providing chemicals into the hospitality industry and the hospital industry. So they had a whole set of products like, look, these are all, you know, uh, already certified for similar viruses that, you know, sort of early into the um, the pandemic, the EPA and the FDA said, you know, if this if this drug, if this chemical has been certified to kill um, rotavirus and MERS and SARS and HIV and a couple other things, then it's OK to say that it's going to it's it's equivalent um uh, ability to kill coronavirus, right? And so, so they had this whole set of products, and then we we could really pivot into one that was ideal for you know using in a car, using in an office building. It had either no or or a favorable sort of odor with it, um, and 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 then just sort of was was sort of most appropriate for the environments that we're sort of going into. So it was it, it's nice that all, all those things sort of meshed together. We we got sort of a perfect storm of good history that allowed us to to pivot into, you know, being able to help with um, disinfecting and sanitizing both the cars and 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 retail spaces and warehouses uh during the epidemic or pandemic. Yeah. And this was something that you uh, once the pandemic hit you you just launched this new service or was it pre-existing yeah so um in pre-existing service was disinfecting cars right so so um again if if one of our fleet partners had a car that had mold in it 
or it had some sort of you know biological waste or it was part of a crime scene or something, we would go in and detail the car and we would disinfect it and we would return it to them in a in a clean, safe condition. Um, the 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 size of the chemicals and the process to clean a car um, are different, but the chemicals are the same, right? So we're so the same product that would kill COVID-19 in your car um, is, is the same one we would use in an office building. We just deliver it in a different way. You know, we we have these small tablets that we put inside of a car. We run the air conditioning and the, H- the heating system to get the to get this gas throughout the car to kill any virus, bacteria, mold or mildew. Um, we deliver it in a larger fashion with a different piece of technology in an office or a, a warehouse. So, so the service and the knowledge existed beforehand. We were using it um, in a, you know, again, a very fairly narrow capacity um, to serve our fleet partners and our consumers. I and mean, sometimes consumers would have these things. You know, sort of the standard use cases. Um, I went on vacation. I left my car outside. The windows were open. It rained. It was July. I came home and there's like a petri dish. You know, my my car is a science experiment. Right? There's things grow literally growing on the dash. There's mold and mildew. Um, I need this fix. Can you fix it? Or I'm just gonna have to throw my car out. Literally, these are the problems. You know, and and it wasn't a, you know, it was a once a week sort of thing across the country. We might might have a problem like that. Um, but our skill set around that, you know, was you know we're gonna be experts in car washing and detailing. We're gonna be able to serve our customers across all their problems. So we built the skill set on how to deal with that, how to protect our employees, you know, how to wear proper PPE, um, the training associated with that. And so then when COVID-19 came, it really just was, we're going to do the same thing we did in your car. It's just, it's a slightly different, you know, it's a 10 degree adjustment to do it in the office. It's a 20 degree adjustment to do it in a warehouse, same chemical, same PPE. We're just going to, we're going to deliver in a different fashion and dwell times a little different, those sorts of things. Hey Carl, talk to me a little bit about the challenges you faced when you were just starting this thing out. Like what, what uh, when you were, you know, you talked a little bit about your thesis. What, uh, what was your customer persona like when you went through that endeavor, that exercise? Who, who are you selling to? Yeah, so when we first started, so we, we, uh, my partner and I had this traditional car wash business, right? So we, we said we want to do a better job serving those customers in in a mobile fashion, right? And we want to expand on that business, but we just want to take that customer and serve them at home with a technology, um, you know, uh, ordering uh, system, right? So order order via app on your phone and we'll come out and we'll serve your car. That customer was, was male, um, probably 35 to 55, uh, 60% of them drove trucks, um, and, and we thought we were going to serve them at home. Today, our car wash, you know, so the first pivot was we're going to go to the, the first thing the customer told us was, well, I don't really, and the, the, coming to my house is fine, but I'd really rather have you come to my office building, right? So where they wanted to be served was different. When, once we figured out, then when we went to the office building, there's another partner or customer, which was the landlord, right? The, the property manager. And they brought in all of these uh, requirements as a landlord um, that we that really helped us evolve our spiffy green offering. And then from that, once we started servicing office buildings, um, what we found was that our, our largest customer segment was women, not men. 
And we found out from talking to them that they didn't really like the traditional car wash experience. They didn't want to go to the car wash on Saturday during their day off. They didn't really want to deal with the traditional car wash sort of team. Um, and, but they, but they uh, absolutely valued cleaning and they absolutely valued cleaning their car. And they just wanted this sort of hands-off digital uh, credit card only zero interaction uh, with the team, and so, so they really, you know, jumped all over. Use the use the app and uh, clean my car while I'm at work. And so, so that was, um, I think, one of the bigger surprises for us was sort of, you know, the the male to female demographic switch for mobile, and their real affinity for no touch, fully digital, all credit card services. Where our, you know, at our our traditional car washes. You know, the customer just love to talk to us and they want to and, and we, we we built all these sort of processes around how to communicate with customers and how to how to you know talk them through different types of services. And and at the office building, the customer just wanted, you know, I want a simple menu with clear, di- clearly differentiated products that I understand in simple language. Um, and, and I want to be able to order those in a, in a very convenient fashion. Um, and then Super. sort of. Yeah, well, and then we, then they said, well, look, you know, we, I want my oil change at work too, so we built yeah. this oil change capability, and and we we're we we're changing people's oil uh, and successfully, but then our we really got into the fleet side of things, which is a whole different customer segment, right? So we, we went from pure consumer focus with a very small amount of fleet to uh, a dominant fleet focus, and and it and it. It makes sense, you know. Five fleet customers, you know, in America could have a million cars, right? If you think about rental car companies, you know, their fleet isn't two; it's like two million or a million or five hundred thousand cars. Uh, in any given city, it's it could be a thousand cars to you know fleets in in Orlando and Miami and Fort Lauderdale and Los Angeles. They're they're in the fives and tens of thousands of cars per client. Um, so so that's you know over a you know, sort of six, eight year period, that's, it's been sort of an interesting evolution of our customer base. Yeah. Yeah. We've been talking to Carl Murphy. He's the founder and CEO of Spiffy. We are going to take a quick commercial break and we will be right back. Stick around. CPA dudes where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. Today's episode of The Veteran Startups is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. For instance... Media Relations. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this. Press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. Check them out at publicize.co and tell them Carmen and Josh sent you. All right, and we're back on the Veteran Founder Podcast. We've been talking to Carl Murphy, the founder and CEO of Spiffy out of North Carolina. We've been talking a lot about where you've gone uh, and where you've been and how your services have expanded and the demographics. So let's talk about what's going on right now. How is COVID in this current crisis, how has it impacted your business, you know, either good or bad? Yeah, it's, it's been uh, very challenging. Um, 
on to give you some perspective, um, you know, our business was about 80% fleet on March 1st. Um, so fleet to us is rental cars, uh, primarily at airports and some off airport locations. Uh, and about 20% of it was consumer business by dollars. Uh, and the, and obviously with the, the shelter in place orders around the country and the dramatic reduction in travel, you know, that business is basically evaporated for the, for the near term. Um, and, uh, you know, we are seeing more more services at home, uh, for sure. We're servicing a lot more customers at home. And, um, you know, as we just talked about before, uh, a significant portion of our business now is sanitization and decontamination due to, to either known COVID-19 infections by, um, you know, uh, employees or who, who have been infected and, and tested uh, or, or the concern for you know a, a heightened level of cleanliness in a, in a location, whether it's a whether it's a fleet of vehicles or whether it's an office storefront or whether it's a um, a warehouse. And so so how, did, go ahead. how did you transition um, um, to to and scale to meet those new demands or requirements and communicate the message like to like for example, would you have hospitals as a customer right now? So hospitals aren't a customer of ours today. Um, You know, I think the hospitals are used to dealing with these things. Um, They're, they're just trying to consume the increase in patients and sort of the change in mix of, of disease states that are sort of walking through the door for them. Um, We are really servicing, we, you know, we started with our customers, right? Our, our retail customers and our fleet customers, and then we've expanded, um, you know, using, you know, our, our marketing team and our and we have a direct sales team um, to serve other uh, clients who have either office buildings, warehouses, retail storefronts, et cetera. Um, and it's, you know, it's on the on the operation side, you know, we have a, a digital learning management system that had over you know 70 courses in it before COVID-19. And so. Our team was used to, you know, going online and taking a class from, you know, one minute to 40 minutes. And so we could, and again, as I said, we, we had the chemicals and the processes um, in our skill set already. It was just, it was really, uh, on March 1st, it was scaled for a car or a truck. And, you know, on April 1st, we've, we've expanded that ability to scale into um, warehouses, office buildings, those sorts of places. Right, so you moved pretty quickly, and you know that 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 sounds promising, right? Because that's a line of business you could probably continue. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, um, you know, the revenue and the and the tra- you know travel dropped off pretty dramatically in March, which I think is pretty obvious to everyone. I mean, I think um, the statistics from the TSA are, are travel is somewhere between 90 95% off of what it what it was sort of pre-coronavirus. Um, and that, that's pretty direct relationship to us. Um, you know, our, our fleet business is down like 90%. And so that, that certainly creates some motivation for a, for a soldier to go find um, find new places to generate revenue. Um, and, and for our whole team, too. And, and again, I think it's the, the added benefit of, you know, we're not just looking for new revenue sources, but we're actually sort of help, we're helping in the fight against coronavirus. And it, and it's, uh, it gives our guys a, 
you know, an additional reason to come to work and, and, and be a part of a team trying to make a difference. What do you Definitely. think has surprised you so far about this crisis as it relates to your business? Like, has there any be- has there been any surprises so far? <clears throat> well, I would say you know the um, the headlines and the government directives and sort of the change in our society from March 15 to March 30. Um, I was talking to my my son and I, I said, you know, there was a a quarterly or annually bold headline every day, right? So the the pace of dramatic change, you know, it was like every day felt like a month, every week felt like a year of of change, right? So the amount of change that you might see in a year or two was compressed into a week. And uh, my partner and I were, you know, there's some. Uh, massive change on Monday, right? Let's say New York issues shelter in place and here are all these rules. Let's figure out how to comply with them. And then Tuesday, you know, airlines are shut down and Wednesday this happens and Thursday this happens. And, and, and it became so, you know, again, we like to think of ourselves as, as pretty responsive and on top of it. And, and so we were, um, you know, the, um, the pace of change really got inside of your ability to make decisions and, and then the other thing that was really challenging is, you know, our, we like to think of one of our cultural values as being data driven, right? Like, let's go get the math, let's get the data and make an informed decision, you know, for our customers and for our employees based on the data that's out there. And and there was just so little, and, and, and I'd argue today, there's really so little really good data to make decisions about, that um, that was challenging also. So, you know, one of the things we're we're challenged with today is, is when does it get better? You know, when does that start, you know, and, and what does better mean? Right. And, and what are the challenges, what are the changes in consumer behavior going to be on the out, on the other side? Are people going to go back and fly as much? Are they going to go to restaurants? Are they going to go back to the offices? And then how does that, um, you know, how does that trickle down into our business and how do we react to it? Yeah. Yeah. So you guys are sort of a you guys are a franchise model. How has um, how has that been challenging to grow, either before COVID or or during? Have you seen an influx of inbounds, or how have you been growing that? Yeah, so so it's interesting. So franchising um, is is actually new to us, right? So franchising is a a response to COVID-19 pandemic from Spiffy. And we have been historically, um, you know, venture funded. So we've been a high, a high growth business since 2014. We've been growing at somewhere between 50 and hundred percent a year, every year. Um, and so we've, we've taken outside investment to fuel that. And, um, you know, one of the challenges we have is we don't know, you know, we're, we're, we're relatively well capitalized and we have, you know, um, enough money to last for some period of time, you know, but again, it goes back to how long is the shelter in place and uh, going to be, uh, you know, sort of the government guidance. And then what are people's behaviors going to be like after that? And at what rate does do things sort of either change or get back to some sort of new normal? Um, and so we went through a bunch of thing, a bunch of changes and, and we had a, a playbook of things that were sort of ideas that we wanted to execute on, but either we didn't have time or capacity uh, or, or money to do those things. And this is, these are sort of like, you know, good ideas for the future. One of them was franchising. And, um, you know, we felt like we had the business model and the value proposition to offer to a, to an entrepreneur. Um, and so we, we've, um, 
moved very quickly in March and April to package those things up. The good news is all the operational things we had, we just needed to really button up the legal side of it. Franchising is a very regulated um, business process. And so, um, you know, starting in April, we, we started the sort of the legal process of being able to do that uh, appropriately in, in all the states that we want to. Um, the cool thing, though, is as we work through that, you know, we have sort of all of the things that a franchisee would want. And, and as we look at sort of uh, competitors to to us, and who, who else might or what other sorts of businesses might a, a similar franchisee look at, we feel like we have a really good offering because we have our own internally optimized software. Um, we have sort of a really well-defined recruiting process. We have a uh, unique uh, high-volume um, truck that we build ourselves that has some some intellectual property inside of it that we think we can transfer to a, to a franchisee. And then we have a, a national sales team that that has all these sort of accounts that you know we in, in many cases we could we could um, you know offer a you know sort of a business you know prepackaged business for a franchisee depending on, on the location so so we ha- we don't actually we've not sold any franchises and we're not legally allowed to i think we're sort of looking at like a june july time frame before we have all the i's dotted and t's crossed legally to do that but we, we are we're collecting leads on our i'm sure you caught that on our website we're collecting leads on our website um what's interesting is that you know uh, there's always great companies that come out of uh, chaos and financial crises. Um, you know, and, and the pandemic isn't, you know, it's a, it's a public health crisis that has a financial down, you know, byproduct to it. Um, and I think you're going to see the same thing. I think you're going to see, unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of um, businesses go away. A lot of layoffs. I think the, the comeback, you know, the rehiring is, is always slower than people, especially those who are laid off. Um, think it will be yeah. and then um you know and then again i think you're going to see great companies come out of it and a lot of those are, are franchises and and people who want to franchise and sort of start their own their own gig and and we're we're hoping to take advantage of that yeah i agree with you i think we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago with uh matt abrams and uh and brandon sheldon who were on the on the show as well is, is if you're looking historically at the downturns in the economy some of the biggest companies have come out of those downturns. So I completely agree with that. Um, wh- let's look forward. What, what, is, what does Spiffy look like in five years? What are you hoping to, this, this company looks like? And, and what are some of the strategies you're going to use to get there? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, I sort of look five days out right now. I think, um, you know, a crisis strategy that, that cer- certainly veterans are used to um, yep. is being able to compartmentalize uh, and focus on, you know, how do I get through this? How do I get focused? You know, how do I get through today? Uh, and how do I get to tomorrow and, and really string together small wins every day, very tactical things to, to get to a larger strategic vision? You know, Spiffy's strategic vision has has been to change um, the way car care is delivered, right, through a technology-enabled mobile platform everywhere. Um, we have pursued a strategy of building our technology platform, building our geographic footprint. We operate in 17 cities across the United States today. Um, and, and to build our service platform, right. To build, you know, we've, we've gone from car washing to detailing, to oil change, to tires. Now, you know, um, 
we hope that franchising will accelerate our ability to service our customers in more areas. You know, I'd say five years from now, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd love to be a, you know, $150 million a year company, um, both operating in the U S and abroad, um, and, and growing, growing the team that we have today. Uh, that's, that's, that's always been our goal is to, to grow, um, a large, uh, organization that really has a dramatic impact on again how how our customers are delivering um car wash detail maintenance services and other services yeah that's great i love it um i want to talk a little bit about something we haven't talked about on the show we used to talk about it a lot but we haven't covered it too much i'm really interested to see how this current crisis is impacting but a lot of founders don't discuss mental health you know, it, as I've I've been a founder before. Carmen, the CEO of her company, and we've talked before. Being the leader of your organization is a very lonely journey. You know, you, you, when you're going home, you, you don't want to complain too much about what's going on with your with your spouse. You, know, you can't complain to your co-founders if you have them or your chief executives. Like, there's all these things you can't do as the CEO because uh, one, you can complain all day long. But the other part of it is just you, you want to maintain this this sense of this outer, uh, you know, uh, expose showing that you are you have stability. What has this current crisis done to impact your ability to kind of stay positive? Um, well, I, I think this is a place where veterans are uniquely positioned to power through the challenges, unlike non-veterans in many yeah. cases. Um, you know, certainly most veterans today have been to a combat zone, if not in some version of combat, right, um, or, or the threat of it in convoys and those sorts of things. And so, um, you know, putting your helmet on and chambering around and going out in a convoy, you know, creates a level of stress that's really hard to replicate most places in the world um, because the cost is 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 dramatic and, and long-term should you screw up. Um, and so uh, I, I feel like as a veteran, I've always been um, well-trained and positioned to deal with uncertainty and chaos and, um, you know, and those sorts of things. And so I've always sort of relied on personal fitness as a way to, you know, uh, get the endorphins going and, and to, to sort of ma- manage my own stress. Um, I've actually st- ex- started to exercise more, you know, <laughs> the stay at home rule, like eliminates, you know, an hour, hour and a half commute every day. And, and, you know, there's no going out for lunch and there's really less distractions. And so, so an eight or nine hour day or a 10 hour day is sort of like, you know, you, you sort of get the work done in five or six. So, you, you know, you can, you can work some more and you can exercise some more. And I, I've really availed myself of that. I think that that um, has helped me personally, you know, as, as a leader in the organization, um, I think it's important to be transparent and truthful with people. You know, we, we laid off a fair amount of people and, and, um, we did that pretty quickly and we did that all at once. And then, um, you know, people want to know, well, is it going to happen again? Are there going to be more? I said, look, I don't know. You know, the reality is we're in uncharted waters and I don't have a lot of data and I'm here and committed to keep this company, you know, to make it incredibly successful. And, and all of you were, were great employees on the first of March. And I, I want you here, but we just need, you know, we need to go to work every day and focus on tomorrow, right? Like, let's not, you know, again, sort of you had this question about what's our vision for five years from now. I, you know, again, I, I don't really entertain questions more than about 
two weeks out right now uh, on the internal team because it, there's so much change and there's so many things going on. Like let's just let's just focus on that and let's become um, you know one and one of the things that I talk to my team about is uh, because there's so much change. Let's just focus on our basic skills and becoming really good at them. And and let's look at our personal execution on the day-to-day work that we're expected to do. Um, often people want to get very high level. You know, you watch the news, the TV, you, you hear the president and everyone wants to get strategic. And the reality is that like their battle is very tactical and it's in their, it's in their, on their laptop. It's in between their two ears. Um, it's on the phone. If you're a salesperson and, you know, one of the things I talked to our, um, our sales team about a couple of weeks ago is we 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 bought some lists of some some prospects that were new to us, like office building or um, retail locations, and and we've just been prospecting into retail locations, telling our story, and it's been a little bit harder, but it's been very um, I think it's been very empowering for the team to get up with a list of things to do in the morning that they are supposed to be really good at and work at just their craft, what, you know, whatever that may, may be. And, and some people might, cra- you know, on my team, their craft is washing cars. Some is changing oil. Some of it's, you know, communicating our value proposition to new customers. And so we've really doubled down on how do we get really good at the two or three things that we have to be great at to really be considered great and, and not worry so much about, you know, the strategic. And I, I got that. So again, that's a sort of a perspective that comes with a veteran. I remember sitting in the desert, you know, you know, I had a I had a degree in government and international relations from Georgetown University. And, you know, my ability to inter, to impact international relations was how deep I could dig my foxhole. Right. So like just pick up the shovel and dig another six inches because it may make a difference. You know, I being able to read foreign affairs and, and pontificate on some secretary of state's success or failure was not what happens, you know, when you're at the, you know, you're an infantry officer or a private. And, and I, I think that's appropriate for everybody today. I think you have to take care of yourself, put your mask on, wash your hands. We, we, you know, I talked to my guys that people were very nervous about the disease. And I said, look, wash your hands and put your mask on. Those are the most important things you can do. All the other weird stuff about, you know, there's all these sort of weird 2% stories about the, the disease is airborne and it travels on mm-hmm. dust. And all I said, look, here's what all the doctors agree. Wash your hands and put a mask on. And, and if we do that, you've done 95% of what it takes to protect yourself personally. You know, and if we're working, we wear gloves and goggles and some other stuff. But, but for the most part, um, you know, again, I think the, the, how do you handle the stress is just, you know, focus on your tactical success, right? And, and keep yourself healthy and do well at your job, um, you know, whatever that might be. And then, you know, at some point you just have to sort of give up to there's things I have no control over, um, yep. you know, so, so soldiers, whether they know it or not, become pretty stoic about about their ability to impact stuff. And, you know, I, I have some employees that are upset about, you know, the government should be opening up this city or that city or I'm disagreeing about the phases. And I said, look, you have no control over that. The governor did not call and ask my opinion. He did not. And I don't expect them to. I said, but we, you know, but our client did. They want us to clean cars. They want us to come out and change oil. They want us to disinfect their building. And we can be great at that. So, like, let's go focus on that stuff. And, uh, you know, traditionally, the bigger stuff tends to work itself out if, if we take care of our little stuff. That's a great way to look at it. And I love the the leadership style. It's, it's really, uh, really helpful, I think, for most people that 
are are just really struggling to figure out how we get out of this. I, this is just, this, as you said, this is uncharted waters. We have no idea what this is going to look like in a week. We didn't know what it was going to look like a week ago. And uh, it's really, really crazy. Um, it's a crazy situation, but we'll get through it. Um, so just to close out this, where do people find you? Like, how, how do we find you on online? Yeah, so you can find my company at getspiffy.com. G-E-T-S-P-I-F-F-Y dot com. And we're on um, Twitter and LinkedIn at the same at the same uh, handles. You can find me, Carl Murphy, and it's K-A-R-L-M-E-R-P-H-Y um, on LinkedIn and Twitter under the same thing. And, uh, you know, would love to love to solve your cleaning and disinfecting problems if you have them. And if not, if you want to reach out and you're in the in the Raleigh area, uh, give me a call. Would love to, love to catch up with you. Always love to talk to veterans who are either um, in business and, and, and need some, need, want to connect or, or are considering getting into it, uh, especially on the entrepreneur side. Um, would love to, love to reach, you know, any, anybody who needs a little, you know, wants to bounce some ideas off me. I uh, would love to yeah. love to talk to them. It's amazing. Thank Carl, you. I think, I think, I think what you're doing is great. Uh, congratulations on all your success so far. I know it hasn't always been a straight line, but you seem to be weathering it really well. And um, yeah, keep in touch and let us know where we can be up. Thank you, thank Carl. You. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, you guys stay safe. You too. You've yeah. been listening to the veteran founder podcast on the startup radio network. Listen to us every week at 1 p.m. Listen, learn, get stuff done. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all of your calls live as if they're right there in your office. Together, you and Ruby transform your phone into the sales engine it was meant to be. Start setting your business apart today. Visit callruby.com forward slash startup radio to sign up, or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100. And use promo code STARTUPRUBY. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.